How many of you are excited to be in church this morning? How many of you, God has already spoken to you? He's already ministered. He's already showed up in your life this morning. My goodness, I feel like we've already had church. But I know that God has given me a word for us this morning, and I am excited to share it. So can you with me, just even in your seat, can you just put your hands up and say, God, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the beautiful work that you are doing, God, that you are stewarding here at Calvary Orlando. God, you are speaking, you are ministering, you are moving, you are setting people free, God, you are changing lives. And that's not other people, God, that includes me as well, all of us, God, you are touching our lives. And so Father, as we head into this moment where we get to receive the word of God and to hear what you are speaking even more clearly for this time, for this season, and for this hour. Lord, we purpose, and if this is you, go ahead and with your hands high or your hand in your heart, just reach them up high and say, God, we open our hearts to receive all that you have. God, we don't want to miss one thing that you have for us today. We want to be a part of all that you are doing. We love you. We give you space. We give you room to speak in the name of Jesus. And if you agree with that, just say a big amen. 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 Well, God has definitely been doing something, and I'm so excited to be able to bring the word after our Holy Spirit conference. How many of you attended the Holy Spirit conference? Lift it high. How many of you were blessed and God ministered to you these, this past week? I tell you what. It was, it was a powerful time. And so today's message, we're actually in a series um, at Calvary. You probably don't even know that we're in this series called Equip, Love, Reach, and Equip. Because last week we started it with the Holy Spirit Conference. And what better way to begin equipping in us than getting in the presence of God. Amen? And God's been so good. And so I am so excited to carry on that, that series. But when we sat down and we're praying about the direction uh, of this, this series, I've said that word five times now, um, with Equip, we had, you know, on our nice little whiteboard, because we make our plans and then God has the ability to change them, right? Um, on our whiteboard, we had one direction that we were gonna head. And as I was praying and preparing, God kind of took it in a different direction. And so I just wanna share with you, as God shared with me today for the church, for today specifically. Can I do that? Can I do that? And the message this morning is entitled, What's Next? What's Next? Because whether you came to the Holy Spirit Conference or not, most of us, I believe in this room, if you are a believer in Jesus, if you've given your life to Him, you've had some point in your life, you've had an encounter with God, amen? And God has spoken to you. He's done amazing things in your life. He's ministered to you. Man, you felt the presence of God. He set you free. You know what that's like when you come to an altar, when you're in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit begins, begins to move and things begin to shift and change. It's not just about goosebumps, but there's real life change that begins to happen. You can feel freedom coming. You can feel your mindset shifting. You can feel transformation taking place. Amen? When you are in the presence of God and God is moving, He's at work, you can feel that. But sometimes we get stuck and we're... We, after those moments where God just shows up and he shows up big in our lives, and then we ask the question, well, well what do I do with it now and what's next? Have you ever been there? It, well, if you haven't been there, 
then this is for all, well, it's for you too. <laughs> because you probably have been at some point, or you probably will be. And so the Lord gave me three specific passages of scripture or stories or moments in the Bible and three specific points that I'm instructed to bring to you this morning. They don't necessarily go together when you look at them as, an, as, a, as a bystander or when you would necessarily just read through scripture that way. But for whatever reason, this is the way God gave it to me and this is the order in which he gave them to me. And I feel like that's important today. I played with it, God, can I move this around? And I just was like, no, I'm gonna give this and present it the way God gave it to me. Amen? Amen. So can we do that this morning? So the first scripture, it's really a story. It's found in Matthew chapter 17. How many of you remember the story of Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration? Yeah? I'm gonna read this to you um, just briefly. Matthew 17, verse 1, six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. He said, get up, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And then we're going to go on in just a second here. But the reason this whole story came to mind is that Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he had three disciples with him. He had Peter, wait a minute, James and John, right? Did I get those right? Oh, yeah, okay. Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain with him. And how many of us, like moments like we just had in the presence of God, or even this morning in worship, man, the presence of God was so beautiful. How many, it just, my goodness, I just encourage you, jump into times of worship like that. Because when the presence of God shows up, man, well, with God, all things are possible anyway. Amen? And when he's in the room, man, that's our opportunity to have moments like this where we just get filled up up in his presence. And this was one of those moments, for whatever reason, God wanted it, where Jesus would go up on the mountain and he wanted Peter, James, and John to go with him because he had something to impart to them. He had something that he had to do. We don't know all the reasons why Jesus, why, why God did it this way, why Jesus went. We can speculate. We can say, okay, well, you know, he, Elijah and Moses showed up. Maybe, I don't know what that was necessarily for. I mean, we can speculate on that. We can speculate why these three disciples went up, why they saw that, what, God, what did God want to impart into the disciples. How, whatever the speculation is, we know that it happened. And we know that the disciples tried to stay there because it was awesome. It was, it, I mean, if you saw Jesus and then he starts glowing and then here's Elijah and Moses, legends that you've heard about, and then you're just like, oh my goodness, God's doing something. I mean, we'd want to stay there too, right? Right? But they wanted to stay there and then all of a sudden Jesus comes over and then Elijah and Moses are gone and then he, they get ready to, and Jesus is like, no, that's not what we're going to do. And they headed back down the mountain. 
And there's moments where it's important, God ordains those moments for us to go up the mountain to encounter him. He has something he needs to impart, he has something that we need to see, he has something that he needs to say, he has something that he needs to do with us, but those are, that's not where we live. That's not where we live. If you read on in the scripture, if you look at verse, um, verse 13, Oh, right, let's go with verse 14. Because they came back down the mountain, and it says this, at the foot of the, of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy, and it left him. And from that moment, the boy was well. So they went up the mountain. They have this incredible encounter. Like Jesus is transformed. They see these amazing things. God speaks. The disciples see it. For whatever reason, he had those three disciples in, in there seeing that for such a time as this. And then they turned around, and they went right back down the mountain. And what did they do? They went to work. They went to work setting people free. They went to work healing people. And even Jesus went down the mountain. He started, he set people free, but he even had to then help his disciples who, who couldn't get this one individual free. He had to step in and say, listen, and do some work and disciple and help them grow. But it wasn't as glamorous as it was up in the mountain. So as, as impactful and as important as these moments are that we come and that we have these times in the presence of God, we set these moments aside that God speaks, he does something, he ministers, he imparts. There's a reason we're here, but the whole reason we're there is not to live in that specific place, but to take that so that we can head back down the mountain so that we can impart then into people and go about the work that God has commissioned us to do. Amen? And I want to set some of you free today. Two things. One, I want to give you permission for those of you that came off the Holy Spirit conference or you come off of an encounter with God and then you just hit life head on. There is nothing wrong with you. You got away with God and he equipped and poured into you. The Holy Spirit is with you. You are empowered to face, to step into, to be a carrier of his presence back into life. Because you step back into life and everything doesn't feel the same way it felt when you were in that specific encounter does not mean that anything is wrong. It means that you are set apart, you were poured into, you were empowered, and now just like Jesus who went back down the mountain, it probably didn't feel the same when people were coming to him needing deliverance or when he rebuked his disciples and had to disciple his disciples. It probably didn't feel the same as it did at the top of the mountain. But he was empowered, he was equipped, he was carrier of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. He went back down the mountain into what he was called to do. And can I just give you permission that that doesn't mean, just because it feels different, just because you're in the midst of it, doesn't mean that anything's wrong. It means that you got away, you got filled up, you're full of the power of God. 
And he's with you, he's not left you, he's not forsaken you, amen. He's right alongside of you to go and live and be his hands extended to be the carrier of the Holy Spirit to set people free to go to work in your sphere of influence, amen. So the first one is just going to work. And you know, I chuckled a little bit because the other illustration that I thought of in the Bible, and for the sake of time, I won't necessarily look there, but you can look there. And it's Exodus chapter 32, verses 15 through 20. And it's when Moses went up the mountain and he was up there um, for, I think it was about 40 days in the presence of God, um, receiving instruction on how to lead the Israelites. And when he was up there, Aaron and the Israelites got a little bit, you know, I don't even know what the word you want to use is, but they just, they got a little uh, cantankerous, they got irritated waiting, so they decided to take matters into their own hands, build a golden calf, and just try to do this whole thing, this whole charade. Go back and read it, you can see it. So when Moses came down the altar, after having been with God, for 40 days in the presence of God, talking with him. He comes down the mountain, sees what the Israelites did, loses his temper, breaks the Ten Commandments, and has to go right back up and get him again. And he gets him again, he comes back down, and he's equipped to lead. So he walked back into what he was called to lead and do. Amen. So I just wanna encourage you with that tonight. All right, so number one, go back to work. It was interesting, when the disciples came down the mountain, the world hadn't changed when they came back down the mountain, but they had. They had been equipped to do what they were called to do. It was necessary for them to go up the mountain, but it was also necessary that they came back down. Amen? And Peter, James, and John, they may have still had questions at the bottom because they were still learning from Jesus, but Jesus ministered, and it's a process and a journey. Amen. So it's, impo- it's necessary that we go back to work. All right, let's go. Number two. The second one is this. If you open up to Matthew chapter 25, goodness, lots of Matthew today. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to look at verse 14. We're going to start at verse 14. And this was interesting to me. I loved this. This is the second thing the Lord gave me for us this morning. And this whole passage of Scripture, it's a parable. So Jesus is talking, and he says this. He starts this out with this. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by. So here's a clue. When you see that, if you're wondering what the kingdom of heaven is like, you're wondering, we're all believers, right? We're, we have, hopefully, all of us in this room, if not, you're going to have an opportunity to do it, to give your life to the Lord in just a minute. But as a believer of Jesus Christ, it doesn't really matter what your culture, what ethnicity you have, or what background you have, because there is one culture that supersedes and trumps all culture. Amen? And that is the culture of the kingdom of God. Amen? And so this is the culture that we subside, that we, that we dive into. This is our culture. This is our DNA. If you want to know how you're supposed to act, if you want to know about God, if you want to know about his character, if you want to know what he, how he set things up, Jesus gives us a 
a really beautiful clue here at the beginning of this parable, and he said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So that's when our ears should go up and we should say, okay, tell me, what is the kingdom of God like? Because that's who, that's who I am. That's my culture. That's my heritage. That's my DNA. This is who I am. I ought to look and act a lot like what this is about to say. Amen? So then our ears just open wide. And this one gets me excited. It's one of my most favorite parables, parables that Jesus says. It says this, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. And we know the story. The servant who received the five bags of silver, he invested it, he doubled it at the end of it. Um, he had two more bags by the servant who received, oh wait, the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Rut row. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used their money. So they had to give an account of how they had used what they were given. The servant to whom he entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done. Oh, goodness, where else do we hear that in Scripture? Well done. My good and faithful servant, you've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. And the master said, well done. There it is again. My good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid... I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest. Then he ordered, take the money from his servant, give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. This is the culture of our kingdom. The culture of our kingdom is about multiplication. It's about growth. It's about seed time and harvest time. It's not about harshness. It's not about, it's not about um, being angry with somebody for not doing something. It's about how we posture ourselves and how we do what, what we do with what God has called us to do. You know, the Bible says that as the just live by faith, faith is an action, faith is a verb. Faith is something that we do, we listen to what God says and we act on it. Do you know what the opposite of faith is? Is what? Fear is the opposite of faith. This, that, that last servant who took what the master gave him, he was afraid, and so he just did nothing with it. He held it back. He buried it. How many of us do with what God gives us, the talents, the anointings, the callings, the words, the giftings that God's placed inside of us, and we, we just begin to hide it and just sit on it? But that's not your culture either. That's not your DNA. That's not who you're called to be. You're called to be the one that goes and multiplies, that goes and uses everything that God's placed inside of you to do. There is much inside of you. There's more wealth. There's more anointing. You have so much love to give. If you're a child of God, you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is resident on the inside of you. That means that whatever the Holy Spirit has, you have the ability to tap into and to give. 
So whatever lie of the enemy that would say that you don't have anything to give, I cancel that and I break that off of you right now in the name of Jesus. You have more on the inside of you. You have love, you have joy, you have peace. You are a carrier of the anointing of God. So when you walk into a room, you can expect the atmosphere in that room to shift. You can expect those things to change. You can look for rather than being the one who's fearful, walking into a room concerned about what everybody's thinking about you, you can shift your mindset and you can walk into a room and say, God, who's my assignment? Who do you want me to love? Who do you want me to pray for? Is there a word that you've given me for somebody in this room? Who do you want me to begin to shift and change the atmosphere? And that, see that the master in that story, he was an investor. So he invested his money with his servants and an investor expects a return, does he not? And so as part of that kingdom, then how do we grow and multiply? Well, we do the same thing. We begin to take what we have and we begin to invest it in other people. And that's how it begins to multiply. That's how it begins to grow. But when we act in fear and we just bury it deep down because we believe a lie about ourselves or because we're fearful or because whatever number of million of reasons there were, maybe nobody told you that you could do anything with it. Maybe nobody told you that you're an influencer. Maybe nobody told you that you can walk in and, and see people's lives changed and people set free. Maybe nobody told you those things. Whatever that is, and we, so, so we hide it and we bury it, but that's not our culture. That's not who you are. That's not, king, that's not the kingdom of God. That's not the body of Christ. That's not who you are. So the second word that God gave me for you today, the first one was go back to work, come down off the mountain and go back to work. And the second was just grow, multiply. Multiply what God has placed inside of you. Bring it to the people around you. Just, just, just love on people. If you don't know where to start, just start by smiling. Just start by saying, can I pray for you about that? Look for opportunities. When you look for opportunities, God speaks. God opens doors. He wants willing and able vessels. And you know what? He hasn't counted any of us out. He used every single one of us. And there are more opportunities in front of us than we ever realize. But the Holy Spirit can help us open our eyes. And he can give us ideas. There's more ideas and untapped potential in this room than we realize. Amen? So we're going to grow. We're going to go back to work. And we're going to grow. Amen? Okay. i got to look back at my notes here. Maybe make sure I don't miss anything. I get excited. This is the culture of our kingdom. And we have a culture that supersedes our own culture. He knows what he gave you, and it's not the same as what he gave someone else. I think that that's interesting in that story, too, is that he gave different things to different people, but he celebrated the increase all the same. So we just get to take what God's placed inside of us and not compare to other people. You own your journey. You own who God's created you to be. Because he'll celebrate you all the same. Amen? I love that. Amen. All right, number three. We're going to move on. If you open to Ephesians. Oh, and I didn't put a... Oh, it's because I have it here. Okay. We're going to open to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 10 in just a second. 
So the first one is go back to work. The second one is grow. And the third one, I wrote equip to move forward. Do you know that you have tools and that you have equipment that God has given you? Do you know that God has not just left you like toolless to do what he's called you to do? Did you know that? Let me read this to you. Ephesians 6, chapter 10, verses, or Ephesians 6, verse 10. A final word, it says this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm, stand your ground, putting on, now listen, the belt of truth, and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now here's the deal. This is just one imagery. This is just one picture of God helping us understand that listen, he doesn't expect us to go out there and to do the work and to to grow and to multiply without giving us the tools and the weapons we need to accomplish the job. Amen? So he even gives us this imagery of the, of the body, of the, of the armor of God to even help us understand that, listen, you are well equipped. I've given you exactly what you need for, to do all of these things. But how many of you know that unless you know that you have the equipment, unless you know that you have the tools, unless you learn about what God's given you, how many of you know you can't use something you don't even know you've got? If you don't know that you have the helmet of salvation, or maybe you know that you've got it, but what on earth is it? What does it do? I've got the sword of the spirit. Great. Spirit, sword, can you see it? What does it do? If you don't know that you've got something and you don't know the purpose behind it, and you don't dive in to find out the tools that God's given you and equipped you with, A, you can't use it, but you're also not going to be very effective with it. Amen? So now what do we do after moments like this, after the Holy Spirit conference, after God shows up, we come down off the mountain and we go back to work. We get into an atmosphere of multiplication, but we get into an atmosphere of growing and equipping, learning what is it that God's given me? What tools has he placed in my hand? God, what have you, what, what have you equipped me with? What do I need to learn to do? Here's the thing, my friends. When God takes you into a new season, you, you, the, you can't go into the new season the same way you were in the last season. New seasons and new battles and new mountains require you to level up. When God calls you into the next thing, you can't live off the same way that you fought that same battle 15 years ago. If you're stuck and trying to figure out what on earth is this thing not breaking, it's time to grow. It's time to dive into the Word of God. It's time to get back to studying Scripture. It's time to get back to filling your heart with the Word of God. It's time to get back to praying in the Holy Spirit. It's time to get back to listening to what God's Word says. It's time to dive into opportunities where you can get into classes, where you can get around people who are further than you, that they can lead you and guide you. It's time to actively pursue growth again because you're not going to grow to new levels with the same set of tools. And they may be the same tools, but you may have to increase your mastery level. 
I mean, there's different skill sets in the military, right? Different levels of mastery, different levels of skill. Growth is, a, growth is there. You know, I think that sword of the spirit that God's given us, the, sword, the Bible says that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. But it's a sword. So that means that I approach the Bible differently. I don't approach it as just a holy book. I approach it as the very life that I read this, then this is gonna be a tool in my hand so that I can go to work, I can go to offense, I can defeat the lies of the enemy. That means that when a lie comes at me, when the devil tries to throw something at me, I've got the word of God. I can use the name of Jesus. See, if you didn't read the word of God, you don't know that you can use the name of Jesus, that he's given you his name, that you can, that you can rebuke the devil and he has to flee from you, he can't stay. But if you don't get into the word of God, you don't know that you've got that. The shield of faith, one of my favorite to study about. I love faith, I love studying faith. To, to me, that just lights me up on the inside because I really don't like fear. I really hate fear. I mean, it, I'm probably gonna talk about it almost every single time I preach, just because I just have this thing inside of me. I hate what fear does to the body of Christ. So for me, when it says you've got the shield of faith and it blocks and quenches the darts that the enemy tries to throw at you, I mean, you've got this breastplate of righteousness. I mean, so God's trying to tell you, listen, the devil's gonna throw these darts, but you've got the armor. You've got what you need. So when the devil throws things at you, he starts to make accusations or lies, you just put your shield of faith up. What is that? Well, the shield of faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Boy, it's going back to the word of God then. So when I know what the truth of the word of God is, I trust it, I stand firm on that, and I just let that just be my guard, and it just goes before me. And so the devil may try to come at me, but I stand firm on what the word of God is. And oh, by the way, my feet are shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So I'm standing on peace, so I don't have to get into worry. I don't have to get into frustration. I don't have to step into those things. I've got the peace that passes all understanding. Amen. So I can live in that place of peace. I can move forward. I have the helmet of salvation. So when the lies of the enemy try to attack me in my mind, man, the salvation, the gospel truth, the message, man, it just it comes all over me. And you know what? This is just the, this armor of God in Ephesians is just one imagery picture of what God's given you. He's given you so much more. We just dive into it and it is important for us to grow. It is important for us to dive into the word of God, to dive into these places of equipping so that we can grow. And the Bible talks about that, that we go from glory to glory, amen? So that this new season that God's bringing Calvary into, that we're ready to go, amen? It's going to require, listen, if we can't personally go to the next level or to the next season that God's called us to be personally without growth, without change, without stepping up, without leveling up, then corporately as a church, we have to level up to go to where God's taking Calvary. We have to let go of some mindsets. We have to let go of some old ways of doing things. We have to let go of, just like they talked about at the conference, we have to let go of our right to be offended. We have to let go of old ways that we operated that maybe worked and were great for a season, but they're not gonna work in this new season. It's gonna require us to do that, but it's because of, it's because of what God has on his heart, what he has on his mind for us, for you. And do you know that with new levels and new growth, there's new freedom? 
It's not just about getting work done, though it is, but there's about personal freedom, personal transformation, personal legacy changing for you, the generations, for your generations. When you grow, the, the, the collateral damage of that, if you will, is powerful. You know, the people that tend to benefit the most are the people you care about the most. When we take responsibility and when we grow, when we level up to what God's calling us to for the next season, there's a beautiful ripple effect that begins to take place. Amen? So we have to be hungry to even find what those tools are that God's given us. Find out what we've got. Learn to use the weapons and tools and to develop our skill. Each new season demands a different skill set. And I have one thought on this. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever played a video game. Anybody ever played a video game? Anybody have kids that have ever played a video game? And when you do video games and you go from one level to the next, there's new things that are unlocked for the next level. New tools, new, like, I don't know, like, I, I don't play video games. I just live with kids who do, right? So when you go to new levels, there's new things that are unlocked. God has new things, all in the Word of God, for us to lay hold of to take us into the next season. Amen? So this morning, the three things that God's placed on my heart, one is we come back down off that mountain and we go to work. Amen? Two is we grow. That's our kingdom culture. And three, we equip. But that's who we are, Calvary. Love, reach, equip. This is who we are, and this is what we do. We love, we reach, we equip. We love, we reach, we equip. This is who we are, and this is what we do. Amen? Amen. And as we move forward, even on the equipping piece, I know that we talked about the spring, new spring classes that are starting. There's lots of things around the church that you can dive into. If you say, Pastor Maria, I want to get involved. I want to learn. I want to be equipped. Um, we've got brand new Calvary, our women's ministry, Calvary Sisterhood is going to be launching here in a couple of weeks. We'll bring more of that information. So ladies, if you are a lady in the house, make sure you write down Friday night, May 14th. That's going to be the launch of Calvary Sisterhood. We're excited about that. That's another avenue to be equipped. All you have to do is go to our Calvary app. Look at that. I even worked the app into my message. Hot diggity dog. I'm proud of myself. Um, go to the Calvary Orlando app. Go to the events. All kinds of opportunities and tools are in there for us to equip and to grow. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.